This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Future of Flushing. I'm Vito Khaleesi. With me is Jonathan Barron. And, you know... Usually we're a lot more pumped up than we are right now, but not only are we tired from the late night session yesterday, our beloved FCL Mets fell to the FCL Braves in their playoff game. And, you know, I think we're just both a little broken up about it. Yeah, tough ending to the season. Good evening, Vito. You are uh, 100% right that it's a little bit of a sleepy night here. And it's a uh, it's a little bit of the good, a little bit of the bad kind of night. Some huge wins. In the Mets player development system on Thursday. But like you mentioned, the FCL Mets, their season came to an end in, uh, in a 7-1 loss on Thursday to the FCL Braves in the playoff semifinals. So what was a great season, FCL Mets winning 32 of their 50 regular season games kind of just ends very suddenly, but that's the way it goes in a winner-take-all one-game format. You know, in baseball, the, the worst teams in a, in a full season win on average, one of every three games. So uh, the FCL Mets weren't the crispest today. They made a couple errors that proved to be very costly. And that was kind of the story there. But still a lot of huge positives. The FCL and the DSL, which we talked about a lot that season also over, they're really the, the, the base levels of the talent that starts to permeate throughout the system. And there was a lot of that there throughout the FCL season. Some of that talent moved on one of the best players for the FCL Mets this year he didn't play in this game today and that's Nick Morabito and he didn't play in the game because he was promoted a few weeks back to the St. Lucie Mets so there was a lot accomplished there all the players the staff the entire organization should be very proud of what the FCL Mets did and a lot of the guys that contributed to those 32 wins this year will be making impacts throughout the organization in the days months years to come very excited to see that yeah, very excited to see that. And, you know, it's still an amazing season and something to be excited about no matter what. I mean, when any level of the Mets player development system does as well as they did all year, there's just so much hope because it's uh, I mean, I guess it's the opposite of the trickle down theory. It's the trickle up theory. It is the trickle up theory. And, you know, you talk about some of the trades the Mets made this year. You talk about a lot of the talent that's over in DSL that hypothetically will come over stateside next year and join that FCL Mets team. There's just a lot to be optimistic about. And we saw it day in and day out doing this podcast, talking about the guys that were having big seasons down there. So much to love. So really looking forward to seeing the continuation and the maturation of all the young men who helped the FCL Mets win 32 regular season games. No small feat. One of those young men who helped them do that, who you brought up, Nick Morabito, uh, was playing for the St. Lucie Mets, like you mentioned tonight, as they lost to the Dunedin Blue Jays 9-5. to uh, Nick Morbido, though, got on base three times with a hit and two walks. So, like John said, that's the kind of stuff that was missing from that FCL Mets team, but that's baseball, Jonathan. That is baseball. So, that's the semi-tough you know, tough stuff to talk about on this Thursday, but 
Let's now talk about the big stories from Thursday. The other big stories, and really namely the two huge wins, and those courtesy of the Binghamton Rumble Ponies and the Brooklyn Cyclones. Vita, who should we start with? There's so much to unpack in both games. I don't even know where to begin, really. There's so much to unpack, and like just to give a little sneak peek behind the curtain, we almost recorded this episode a little earlier than usual because, you know, both games weren't going that well, and we thought maybe we'll start. Sometimes we do that. We start with some stuff, and we let the games prosper. And then around 940, we said, looks like we're going to have to wait because this went from being a really, really, really a day we've not seen before where every team almost lost in the system into turning into a really exciting night for both the Cyclones and the Rumble Ponies. So why don't we talk about our Rumble Ponies and their playoff push because I just, they get me fired up, John. Well, the win on Thursday is a uh, straight electricity for the Rumble Ponies. They trailed this game six to one. Luis Moreno started. He had one bad inning and it put the Rumble Ponies in a precarious situation. That was in the bottom of the fifth where New Hampshire pushed across six runs. But the Rumble Ponies, they kept on pushing, as you said to me a little bit ago. They scored two runs in the seventh inning, and then they scored four runs in the ninth inning to take the lead. So six unanswered runs by the Rumble Ponies. In the ninth inning, Augustin Ruiz, a minor league Rule 5 guy, he hit his 16th home run of the season got the scoring started in that inning Jalen double uh, excuse me Jalen Palmer he doubled push across the fifth run Drew Gilbert tied the game with a clutch sack fly and on that sack fly not only did he push across the tying run but Luis Angel Acuna who was the runner on the back end he was on first base at the time of the play he moved up so a very heads up base running play put himself in the scoring position of course we talked about the speed of Acuna last night and many other nights JT Schwartz then took advantage of that huge base running play by Acuna, delivered a go-ahead base knock, proved to stand up. Tyler Thomas came in, shut the door, and the Rumble Ponies pull one out. A huge victory for Binghamton as they look to get to the playoffs and a huge win on Thursday. And Vito, it's the kind of win that when we look back and at the, the Rumble Ponies do make the playoffs, you circle this win as one of the reasons why they were able to get there. And one more standout from that game is Jeremiah Jackson, who extended that hitting streak to nine. And to top that, also moved that home run streak to three games. And that's his 20th of the season. One of a handful of guys in AA with a 20-plus home run season right now. And John, I'm not going to lie, makes me a little nervous for our interview. We're releasing with him on Tuesday because I don't want to go from heater to cooler. The future of Flushing Bump is real. So I'm excited. I think that Jeremiah Jackson is going to keep hitting up until and through that interview that we drop. And Jeremiah had a lot of great things to say. So very excited to share that interview with you. But there's one more Rumble Pony I want to highlight here. And it's reliever Tyler Thomas, who came in, I mentioned this briefly before, shut the door, earned his fourth save of the season. But Thomas has been great for Binghamton this year and the time he's been there. He's now thrown 22 and two-thirds innings of work, and he's only allowed two earned runs, so a sub-one ERA for Tyler Thomas, who uh, has really, like I said, been fantastic for the Rumble Ponies, and when they needed three outs after taking the lead in the top of the ninth inning, close the door, don't give the Fisher Cats any air to breathe, any oxygen or whatever, maybe some kitty litter if you would, although I know it's not a cat. We talked about that yesterday. Tyler Thomas said no, 
shut the door, helps the Pony secure a huge comeback win. But they weren't the only ones with a comeback win on Thursday. And Jeremiah Jackson, not the only guy in the organization riding a three-game home run streak, Vito. No, John. The Brooklyn Cyclones won 13-12 versus the Asheville Taurus, and we will update you on what an Asheville Taurus actually means. But that player you are referencing is Stanley Consuegra, who homered in his third straight game, like John said, his fifth home run in the last six, and 19 in 82 games on the season, John. I mean, what a blast. That home run was 455 feet. And almost more impressively, or I don't know if more impressively, 455 feet, that's some pretty serious stuff. And Consuegra just white hot with the five home runs in the last six games, like you mentioned. But in the ninth inning, and this was a back and forth affair, was sitting there just uh, obviously waiting to see how this one would turn out so Vito and I could script our show, put up, put on a good production for all the boys and girls out there listening on Friday morning. But in the ninth inning, the Cyclones actually took the lead. They wound up giving it back. Asheville sent this game to extra innings by scoring a run in the bottom of the ninth inning. But Consuegra worked out a huge walk in the ninth inning. It was a ninth inning where Cyclones batters had a ton. I think it was four full counts forced in that ninth inning. They entered the top of the ninth inning trailing, scored two to take the lead, but Consuegra had a great plate appearance to work out that walk, extended the inning, and helped the Cyclones take the lead, and then eventually they score three in the top of the tenth. They allow two, but they hold it right there. I'm, I wasn't alive for this game, Vito, but, you know, I've seen tapes and highlights and I've read about it, as I'm sure you have. This was kind of similar to, and I'm not, I say this tongue in cheek. This is kind of similar to game six at the Astrodome in 86, where the Mets took a three run lead, just back and forth, helter skelter craziness. Mets score three and the Astros score two, but that's where the game ended. This was a wild back and forth affair with huge plays all over. Cyclones hit four home runs. Kevin Parada hit a home run, his first since returning. Then he got ejected late in the game. Christian Pregent came in, had a huge sack fly in the 10th inning. Chet Williams, he had another big night, a couple of hits. He also had a full count in the ninth inning, put the ball in play. That's what speed do, forced an error, wind up, wind up coming around to score. score. You want mute again. Dern Jet too. I mean, that's honestly, dude. I'm leaving that in because I need everybody to know. Well, it's good. I, I realize that I've been hitting my wire on the bottom of the mic, and that's been my uh, my downfall here. Oh, you're like a little kitty cat. You're like a little fisher cat. It was just like playing with his wires. I, I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not. Let's <laughs> put these paws away. But just a crazy game left and right. William Lugo had a huge hit for the Cyclones. He gave Brooklyn the lead in the ninth inning. If it weren't for the Fisher Cats fighting back in the bottom of the ninth inning, we would have probably led with William Lugo, who had a huge hit over the weekend. He had the big go-ahead triple on Seinfeld night, so Lugo has been showing the clutch the last couple days. Just throughout the lineup contributions, the Cyclones win again. They've now scored 34 runs in their last three games, so these have been crazy games between the uh, Asheville Taurus and the Brooklyn Cyclones, and the Cyclones pull it out, just like Binghamton, another huge win as they continue that march towards postseason glory. And now, Vito, tell the people. Before I talk about the Asheville Taurus, I have a question for John. Yes. I have a theory about a strategy you have during Future of Flushing. Okay. My theory is that on nights where you're tired and you're like, I don't want the show to go too long, 
I feel like you decide to cover more of the game highlights because you know that I'm going to go off on a tangent and things are going to take longer. I was, dude, I'm just pumped, honestly. Like, I, I was locked in watching the box scores. By the way, is your MLB TV working f- to watch minor league games? Because I'm getting, like, a bad gateway error. No, mine is working. But I think it all, honestly, the MLB TV app is great, and I have nothing but good things to say about it. But sometimes you just got to play with different, like, did you try, like, did you try the computer versus the iPad versus the TV? Because sometimes the, I did. the TV I, I doesn't work my personal. I whipped out my personal computer and I eventually was able to get it on Safari only, not working on Chrome. I was just, I was just wondering. I don't know if it was a problem that maybe we should uh, send a heads up about, but just a crazy, crazy night um, for the Cyclones and the Rumble Ponies, the two teams who we talked a lot about yesterday, outlined what the playoff situation looks like for them. And then what do they do? They follow up. You listening to that on Thursday morning by earning those huge wins on Thursday night, Vito. I'm going to dispel your theory. I'm going to dispel. I want to, I want to mess around. I do want to go to sleep eventually too, but of course there's always time for jokes and fun, but just two huge wins. Just love it. No, dude. I mean, I'm very fired up and it was really, really fun to uh, just follow those games along. I was, I was doing some work and following along on the first pitch app, which if you are following Mets player development or any player development, the first pitch app is so damn helpful because you can literally get push notifications for every single level of minor league baseball. And for all those who follow it on a nightly basis and are wondering, well, okay, you told us the Cyclones, the Rumble Ponies, both earned wins. What's going on in that playoff picture? Well, with the win for the Cyclones, they have now drawn even with Jersey Shore atop the South Atlantic League North Division at 30 and 21, 30 and 21 in the second half. So Brooklyn continues that push. And they are now even for first place. Meanwhile, Binghamton maintains its one and a half game lead over the Portland Sea Dogs for second place. If Somerset wins the division in the second half, the postseason spot will go to the second place winner. Right now, Ponies a game and a half clear. And the most important news of the night, I think by far, is us telling you about where that Asheville Taurus moniker came from. And that would be because back when they used to be named the Mountaineers, a lot of people would call them the tourists just because all of the players weren't from Asheville, which I think is quite the burn. I knew there was a rhyme and a reason to it. Um, I mean, just got to give a tip of the cap to uh, all the people out there who uh, took the time to investigate what it was that uh, that led to that, that, that team being named that. But, you know, Ryan Clifford, by the way, didn't mention this. He was an Asheville tourist, so he homered also on Thursday night, did it against his former teammates. That's a burn. That is a burn. But, John, what do you think about the fact that they just, the people of Asheville were just furious that their players weren't from the town? Well, I mean, I don't think it's the first time in sports history where something like that has happened. I know that, uh, I'm pretty sure back in the day, and this might actually still be the case in some ways, the the fans of Montreal, talking hockey here, of course, talking got to got to got to get it in for at least 60 seconds every episode. If I don't, I failed my night mission, um, especially back in the day. Now, you know, if you're an American and you're good enough, I guess they'll they'll take a, a liking to you. But back in the day, if you were not, forget Canadian, if you were not a Quebecois, if you were not speaking French, if you were not one of them and you were skating around the ice at the old forum, you were not liked at all. Wow. So, yeah. That's, I mean, yeah. that's, that's bad. That's not... That's not politically correct. I'm going to say it. 
I mean, yeah, really, it's not. But, you know, I, I guess back then. Canadians get away with a lot. That's just a fact. What else have Canadians gotten away with? I don't know. I feel like they have this whole thing of being, like, really, really nice. But I, I don't think it's true. Well, it depends on the, uh, I mean, you know, there's a lot of provinces in Canada. You know, you, you get a different uh, different flavor no matter where you go. I just don't That's think, I just don't think they're as nice as people claim they are. I think it's just like a thing that we've all just kind of like went along with. But I think they're no nicer or meaner than any other group of people. Actually, I would say after the story, you just told me they're much meaner than most people. Well, this is back then. And keep in mind, there's also a, a major language barrier. I mean, you told me you were in France and the people in Marseille didn't want to deal with your American ass, right? John. <laughs> you cursed. <laughs> that's not a curse. No, that's a curse. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm, no, it's. I'll leave it in. I'll leave it in. I'll curse. see what happens. And you know, people listen. You know, people listen. So I'm gonna leave it in, and I'm gonna see if I get an email that says John can't say words like that. I feel like you could say that I on the radio. I just thought John get kind of nervous when I said that and be like, man, maybe he should. You can't say it on the radio. I'm not nervous because I've heard it on the radio. I don't know if if the standards have have dropped from like 2000 to now i don't know i feel like if i heard a nelly song on z100 he could say he could say that they wouldn't bleep it out i think you could say that word i think according to the fcc you could say that word john before we move on to the um to the syracuse mets game i do want to ask are you going to be watching the viceland documentary about shock jocks that everybody's been talking about well, define everyone because this is the first time I'm hearing about this documentary. But um, who are the main subjects of the documentary? Uh, Howard Stern, OA. I figured. Yeah. And then, like, all the feuds that they had in that time. You know, I was never a big Howard Stern guy. Me neither. I, um, yeah, I mean, you're going to be so shocked by this when I tell you that. And you know what I'm about to say. My radio listening in my life has been sports talk radio essentially i mean that's and i mean there's been a lot of it trust me and some of that sports talk radio gets into you know shock jock territory it's not always all sports there was one show that was all sports for many many years that was mike and the mad dog and then just mike francesa by himself but i was just never really into like the that kind of discourse on the radio so i i I have great respect for howard stern i know that he's a pioneer and you know almost invented the the concept of sports talk or sports not sports talk radio in general but never had that personal love what about i mean you're you're a stern guy right me i'm a ron and fez guy and i'm a big ron bennington fan and gail bennington okay i'm a i'm a bennington guy by association how about that yeah but yeah i i just i don't know i just think howard was baba Bowie, by the way is that like that was his like uh, that's his producer that's his that's his al dukes got it okay I was watching I was watching the Yankees earlier and there were a few times where you could hear I guess they were sitting by the broadcast booth and the micro the uh, external microphones and that sound picked it up. It's like uh, I know that's a thing where people scream baba booey. Yeah, that's a bi- that's a big thing. It's it's a it, it's fun. I was about to compare it to something else, but that what I was about to compare it to is an actual curse. So, I'm not going to say that. I think you can guess right, what well. I was going to say. But why don't we I got my fun time. I got my what seems like seven minutes of fun time now. Why don't we move on and talk about the uh, Syracuse Mets game, John? Yeah, biggest thing from that, once again, Ronnie Mauricio, a monster night. And he put the emphasis on the word monster by hitting a home run clocked at 115.2 miles an hour off the bat. And if you could believe it, it's not the hardest hit home run 
by Ronnie this season. He hit one 115.3 miles an hour. That was back against the Buffalo Bisons on July 20th. So the second time Ronnie has hit a ball that's gone over the fence, clocked at 115 miles an hour or harder, an incredible feat. But, you know, this should not come as a surprise to anybody. This is what Ronnie Mauricio does, but he's been making a ton of contact of late, which you love to see from Ronnie. Um, and yeah, just, uh, you know, stays hot. That's now 21 home runs for Mauricio. He had six, he had 26 home runs all of last year. So he's only five shy of matching that total. And as we mentioned last night, the Syracuse Mets have about a month, a month's worth of games left in their schedule. They have 27 left. So we'll see if Ronnie can either tie or surpass his home run total from last year. And another thing we will see this weekend is Dom Hamill will be pitching for the Rumble Ponies in that playoff pitch tomorrow night. And uh, we will not be talking about it because we take off on Friday nights because we like to have a good time. But we will be back on Monday morning to update you on what happened. And I'm sure, without a doubt, that he will be part of our brand new shortened except actually longer format. Shorter but longer, baby. That's uh, that's what we do here on the Future of Flushing. We try to, you know, we try to, we're always looking to improve and we're always looking to uh, make things better. You know, that's what it's all about. That's man's distinct, distinguishing mark alone is the ability to uh, improve that was, progress. That was deep, man. Uh, you know, we had a, we had a shock jock moment the other day because um, like a big shock jock thing is where they claim like the studio, like the, the, the suits are like silencing us. And we were uh, claiming that we're not allowed to have our own Twitter account, which was actually just a lie. Like there's, there's actually nothing stopping us from having our own Twitter account, except uh, Janie just doing a really good job with the Met player development page and just rather her doing it than us. That's right. And then we had a non-suit moment because I said the A word and I'm excited to listen back to tomorrow and see if Vito kept it in or not. I'm probably going to keep it in. And uh, if the suits have a problem with that, then I will gladly take it out because I, I, uh, I do adhere to rules. So, well, you just shouldn't have been a pain in the toughest to the people of Marseille, and I would have nothing to say. <laughs> well, uh, thank you all for listening. We'll be back on Monday morning with another recap, and look forward to your inboxes on Tuesday, your inboxes. Look forward to your stream, your page, whatever you look at, the Mets YouTube, wherever you go for that Jeremiah Jackson on Tuesday, but we will see you all in the future. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.